Alright, three, two, Puddles. Fuck. Yes, me, I'm Puddles, and I'm from the Strange Gods <laughs> podcast, and this is totally planned, and I have everything written out, and uh, nothing is ever unexpected with me. I'm very organized. Moving on. Fuck. That, that's how we start, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm Frank, uh, Motocross Machinations, uh, mostly blogging, adventures, and role, uh, role-playing systems, because we don't have enough of those. Uh, fuck yeah. Uh, my name is Sizzle. I'm also from the Strange Gods podcast. I'm a player in the Swords and Misery podcast. Yes, good job. You did it. Uh, yeah, I tried. I think I did. Um, I work for Fossa Games, and I've already figured out that apparently I can curse, so good me. Good morning. <laughs> yes. All the words are allowed on this podcast. What's your name for the listeners? Oh, it's Andy. Hi, Andy. And fuck-a-doodle-doo, it's Pex, the Tavern Custodian. I help with things in the tavern, and recently I've been helping the frogs with some froggy projects on the side. And we have a very exciting breakfast club this morning with lots and lots to talk about. So who wants to start with the talking? I don't. Uh, what are we talking about, Pex? Yeah, I'll put Pex. it in chat there. We're all building techniques that use technology and fantasy settings, realms, planes, and planets, and how to handle players' actions for derailing purposely or not, a.k.a. puddles. A.k.a. what? Nothing. A.k.a. what? I don't know. What? Cut out, dude. Don't forget, <laughs> to, don't forget to set your alarms. I set my alarm. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's, already done. We cover that. 7.04, where I am. AM. Uh... All right, let, let's just tick things off the first one here. World building techniques. So how do we build worlds? So you hire someone smart and you make them do it. I like this idea. It's it's but the best plan no I've had today. What if I have no money? Have you tried beating up children for lunch money? I have not. Oh, which no. which child should I go for first? She's a like, child. The one that looks like they have possible. money. But how can you tell which kid has money? The slow one. <laughs> oh yeah, the one who can't run away. That's that's a very good point. I was gonna say the one with name brand sneakers because mine aren't right. Like. <laughs> it's these tips and tricks I need to know. It's pretty good, pretty good. So we have hire somebody and uh, puddles. How do you how do you create worlds? I open my mouth and shit comes out, and then people run with it. Oh wait, we can still do that. Good job, yay! <laughs> I mean, so given from this question, I assume I assume we're not saying like asking ourselves whether we need another world, whether the ones out there aren't aren't good for for what we want to do, right? Pretty much, I can imagine like expanding on an existing world as well. Get drunk and then record yourself. That's it. Then write all the ideas down. Well, I know when I sit down to build a world, I think how many continents do I want it to be? And then after that, I decide how big the ocean is and if there are any other extra layers like a inside the core kind of world or an underdark type area or maybe some uh, planes and stuff to go 
nearby that are around said world. And then from so there, you mean, like, when you branch down. Sorry. Okay. You'd like, you'd think of the overall and then go down to the details rather than details up. That's how I do it. I know people do it in the reverse as well. Mm. Honestly, I kind of fall with, um, did I just make stuff up? That's what I've been doing for about, I don't know, two and a half decades. I'll Reese. just make something up when they ask something and then I'll make a note and be like, sure, That's I can make that note. work. <laughs> and just build on it that way. So, so half the time I have no of- idea until a player asks me something. So you do a lot of collaborative world building with the players as opposed to building it in ahead of time. That sounds so much better than what I said. So I'm going to go with that. That's my new answer. I collaboratively build (laughs) with my players. Without them knowing. Without them knowing. They don't realize they're collaborating. Actually, a lot of times they collaborate without knowing. But if you aren't doing that, you probably ought to. Players have such really fabulous ideas. Yeah. Thank you. You just have to let them take some time and think things through. Like they have made most of my bad guys much more elaborate than they ever were. Like they'll be like, oh, I really think it's this thing. And you're like, well, it is now, bitches. Yeah. Taking that, push that there. Yeah, shh, don't 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 give it away. Just uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, uh, you you've thought of this all ahead of time. It's not oh, plagiarism yeah. if they haven't realized it's their original idea. I just let them think that they were right. I'm nice that way. Exactly. (laughs) Nicer than me. Personally, I'd like to start with, I don't look at continents like Pex does. I usually just look at a sheet of paper and then outline it um, from, I guess, um, plot points in. I don't know. So timeline. Kind of like. Not, uh, yeah, kind of like timelines. So I guess I do more campaign building than actual world building. Well, if I was I... going to say, what are you considering world building? Are you talking about actually like map building the world? Or are you talking the world as in the religion, the people, the conflicts? Or the events. Events. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. world building has a whole lot of different connotations in gaming. Very true. <clears throat> I guess I'm more event-based when I write it out. If the world's there or not, build it out from uh, the plot points or timeline. Borrow a map. People make maps, put them all over the place. Yeah. Events. Plus, I'm no good at map making. That's been an ongoing joke. I literally have ones that look like you give a six-year-old a deck of, you know, a box of crayons. Just say it was they on probably would have done better. Just claim it was done on purpose. You're good. You know, the little great... Like triangle p- things, those are obviously mountains. If they were green, they're trees. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> if it's blue, it's water of some form. Stop picking on me. You know, like what's what's triangle shaped water? I mean, blue um, triangle shaped blue blue triangles. That's what blue I'm triangles to say. ice. That's yeah. It's obviously yeah. ice. Ah. That was totally your idea in the first place. You did not yes. steal that from me. No, I told you I'm collaborating. Apparently, without your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next step I like to do is think of the Pantheon, because that's going to pretty much shape the cultures of the world as well. So, but, like, if you have to build a complete world, do you believe that you have to have a fully fleshed out uh, religious system? If I'm going to have a a Pantheon, yeah. 
Um, I do believe it needs to be flushed out because that's going to affect cultures, which affects the uh, boundaries and territories of things, because usually with religion comes war. And when you build so, religions, so Pex, do you, you usually you keep it... cut out just normally half a word before you finish. Oh, sorry. I said with religion usually comes uh, war, so it affects the boundaries and the territorial systems usually, and or kill on site nations or peoples. So based on that, um, your religions that you build, do you are they like shared between nations? Or is it every nation has their own specific pantheon? They can be. And what I, what I found um, that seems to be common in a lot of RPGs that I like to do is some deities are the same person. They're just under a different guise or different uh, uh, facade or a physical appearance look. Like uh, Thor can be Thor in one culture and he can be uh, Mistopheles in another culture. There's an interesting uh, thing there because if you have like a traditional medieval fantasy type world, you you normally find that it takes a long time for news and information to travel because travel is hard, you know, without internet, postal system and, and stuff, there's a lot of hearsay. And so even worship um, of particular gods and knowledge of the gods will travel slowly and be warped um, in, in some ways. So even as you say, the different actual deities might be completely different um, people just because of the way the the places of worship are geographically different mm. and sometimes they're not even gods they're just ascended beings so they were once mortal themselves aka mastara oh yeah i forgot about mastara and caden kalian in the pathfinder universe that dude was a drunk exactly. <laughs> Became a god I think I'm dare. probably the worst person here. I don't flesh out gods unless we have to. We just go I mean, with whatever system's main gods for the most part. I do just the same. know all gods are fickle. Um, one we used, it's, um, I can't remember the name anymore. I think it was Pathfinder. It's the god of magic. And the god mm. of magic was broken. And so yeah. everything that involved magic was falling apart. That's and awesome. so that one, the Pantheon was actually important for on why the gods weren't helping or couldn't help. But Can most of the time, most? nah, I'll just, you know, they're fickle. They do weird stuff. They're gods. They're gods. I find them a great tool for making shit up, honestly, if I need to. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I found players, I very rarely... The players like to play up that angle. I mean, you got the clerics and you got the paladins. He'll he'll do it every now and then, or do their morning routine to get their spells and stuff. But at least the the tables I've been running lately, they just they're they're just kind of there. They're an afterthought. They exist, and unless they directly affect the world or a plot hook drop, they're pretty much ignored. Yeah, yeah. But on the deep side of things, if I need to make something up, like some world catastrophe event, or something that's affecting the world as a whole, they're just a great resource to have on hand. Blame everything on the gods, like a typical GM. Uh Yeah. Well, normally it's just wizards. You know, wizard did it, so at least here you're putting it one step away from the player character, which is nice.
I find that sometimes it's interesting uh, not to even define the existence of of God. So you you might define your religions and your beliefs and belief systems and and make and give those rituals and various um, settlements and whatnots. But without uh, saying top down, like if a player asks you, oh, "Are gods real in this setting?" You can say, "Well, that doesn't really matter. It's it's about what your character and the characters around you believe." Sure, if you're playing a D and D type game, you will get your your spells from from your prayers and stuff, but you still don't have to define where they literally come from, because that knowledge um, is is a very personal thing. It's very personal to the character in, in terms of what they believe and what they choose. To, to believe and, and tell others. And that can make for some really interesting role-playing as well. So kind of like the old Conan movies where, where they, they kind of acknowledge gods, but they weren't really there. Like Krom and um, whatever the crazy magician guy I always believed in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in, in that sense, it's it, they're very, very distant if they exist at all, or, or they're very uncaring. Um, but again, that is that is what those characters choose to believe because it's not so high fantasy that they literally walk the earth and stuff like that, or maybe they do, but people don't know. But it's I, I find I find it quite interesting to to leave that a little vague. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, obviously, uh, especially in a, in a lower fantasy type uh, campaign. Ages ago, there was a big discussion, and I don't know if it was just the people I was gaming with or everywhere, on the idea that D and D gods could stop being gods if they lost enough followers that basically followers were somehow attached to keeping godlike powers and it turned into this whole idea that if that was true then you could become a god you just had to convince enough peons that you were a god which created a character who was invisible most of the time and would talk to people trying to convince them she was a god that's awesome <laughs> so i mean do gods exist or is it invisible people fucking with you because they have nothing better to do or just aren't nice people? <laughs> I like the thought of invisible people running around just talking to people. <laughs> I, I think every game has had, uh, certainly pretty much over my gaming career, there's always been that game where people tried to become gods and came up with all sorts of clever ways of doing that. I mean, in Pathfinder, for example, it, sorry, in the world of Galarian, you you have the whatever is it, the Star Stone or something in in Absalom, where you just go, yeah, you just go, you just um, defeat all of the challenges thrown at you, and you become a god. And yeah, I had a player who actually su succeeded at that because why not? It was fun. I can't say that I had anybody at my tables try to become a god. I give did a time. campaign. Give it time. Just like yeah. my. In well, I'm an old. Campaign. Well, I'm an old school player, and I use the Beckme rules. And if you want to become a god, there, it, there are some hefty tasks there. I think I remember one of them is in a thousand mile radius, you have to challenge a level thirty six wizard, five of them, and defeat them all. And then after that, you have like three other stupid tasks. Like you have to be polymorph yourself in another uh, being or um, what was the fighter one that was ridiculous. You basically had to level three characters, which is you essentially reincarnated three times. So you had to do one through 36 as a fighter, one through 36 as a mage, and one through 36 as a thief. And if you're actually playing that all out, you're probably just now today 
qualifying for God status because the amount of gameplay time is ridiculous. <laughs> Ghostbusters. I like it. <laughs> well, I guess that's again. another thing. Very good, Frank. What was the game system again that you mentioned? Where those rules are in? Those are in Beck Me. Yeah, and the Immortal rules. Uh, the I in Beck Me. Huh, I've never heard of that system. It pre It's the one right before AD&D. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, it, it's old, old school. I started playing around 3rd edition, so I'm a baby. I'm but a child in these matters. I started on AD&D, but then I went back and started collecting the old pamphlet ones. Because I could. That's cool. I'm pretty sure it's pre-AD&D, but we can look it up. Hmm. Yes, when Ma Bell ran the rackets, yes, back then. Learn something new every day. I get to brag. I found at an auction a 1980-81 box set that not only had the full six dice, but had the crayon. And I was all gleeful. I was like, the crayon is pristine. <laughs> Put it out on Twitter. And like nobody knew what I was talking about, except for like three people. Three people and me were like, look at the crayon. And everyone's <laughs> like, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, like, I'm still so pleased. Go away. Leave me alone. I'm old. <laughs> it's just the little things in life. I think the biggest thing for world building for me has to be what the, the tone of the setting is. As far as things like, and I think it kind of crosses into your next one, are guns allowed? Um, technology, high magic, low magic. Is this much more horror oriented? You know, that type of thing. Yeah, and especially when you talk about tone as well, you want to get as much player buy-in as you can, uh, especially for like a horror type game because there's different expectations on the characters. In a horror game, you don't normally create characters that are all murder hobos running around. Uh, but if you're trying to sort of drop a horror game onto the players without warning them in, uh, at first, then that's exactly the player, the types of players they're likely to come up with. So uh, Session Zero, I think, is, is very, very useful for, for setting the tone and, and the types of characters that, that would work in a particular world. <clears throat> Yeah, and I like the new, um, they call it Session Zero now. It used to just be the which one of us gets to be GM discussion time, and then we made characters. But now they call they have a name for it, Session Zero. You, you makes got it asked. sound very official. Oh, You, you got to choose who, who was GM? Nice. <laughs> Not really. It was usually me. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I've, I've been lucky enough that off and on, there's been a couple of other people who would switch. But it seems like we would go entire years where it was one person or the other. You wouldn't alternate games or anything or have people run Not in the old side? days. Oh. Just alternate now. jamming. Same game. 
Um, I've done that now, but not in the old days. 20-something years ago, no. No. Um, usually there was like one person who did it and then they'd do it for like three to five years and then somebody else would take pity on them before they stab someone in the eye with a piece of candy or a Dorito. Oh, wow. Something like that. Death by and, and they would take over for a little bit. And yeah. I think we actually see a lot more people willing to try jamming now than we used to. Was that? <clears throat> One, I think what? we have more players. Yeah, definitely. I think it's expanded as a whole is why we see more. It's just, yeah. Yeah. there's more of us now in general. Okay, so not like a percentage that went up or anything. I don't know. I feel like more people, and maybe it's just the ones I now play with more, are willing to GM. Is that also it, because they played longer? That could be. I also think it's because the the expectation of a GM have changed, or or at least the the perception thereof. Because back in the day, it took me an awful long time to prep for games when I first started, because I would write down so much detail, way way too much. Whereas nowadays, I can prep for a game in 15 minutes. And there's a lot more um, resources out there to help with that than, than there ever were back in the 80s or 90s. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's very true. It's so much easier it is. to just come up with a map or a story, adventure hooks. There's random generators for everything on the internet. Mm -hmm. You can download an app for that. So <laughs> it's you can see how a lot more people would be into GMing. It was pretty daunting for any of my original group to, to GM. I, I volunteered the GM the first game that we ever played. <clears throat> and you've regretted it ever since? Absolutely not. I love murder. Murdering players it doesn't happen enough, though. I hope you mean characters. Uh, uh, no, players. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many of them. We need to weed out the, uh, the week. Uh, but I think Andy <laughs> may be right, though, because there's, there's different things nowadays, like what are they called? RPG-80, the Pathfinder Society Leagues, and all those kind of stuff. Organized play. And a quick correction. I was wrong, and Todd was right. Now it's on recording, so there you go, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Good job, Todd. But we are actually seeing, I think, just more people in the entire hobby. I mean, we yeah, have for sure. so much. It's, it's kind of like part of the geek has gone mainstream. So we just have so many more people involved now than we used to. Well, also, there's just more choice, right? If, if back then, if someone didn't want to necessarily GM for one game, they didn't have a ton of options for what else to GM, whereas now you can GM whatever the fuck you want. And there weren't conventions back in the day either. They, that, those weren't a thing for a while. Yes, they were. Conventions have been around since the late 70s, and that's if you want to start with not including the one that's the sci-fi novel one that started, I believe, in like the 40s or 50s. So, so yes, they have. Don't start on conventions. Don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Peck's proven wrong again. I'm just going to go sit in my corner. <laughs> yeah, you do that. So, I mean, gaming conventions, I mean, if you look at Gen Con, it's been around for over 50 years. I mean, it didn't start under the name Gen Con. It was like Geneva Convention, but it's been around for 50 years. So, yes, they were. Cool. Pex, just pretend that you were talking about Europe or maybe even like Eastern Europe. There we go. I'm, I'm talking about in Asia. There, there's no cons over there at all. I'm right, damn it. 
There are now, but yeah. 50 years ago, no, there were no gaming cons in Asia that I know of. There you go. Ah, there you go. I went in something. <laughs> you can come out of your corner now. Yeah, small victories. Take off the dunce hat. <clears throat> Sorry. So totally, I'm an ass. Technology and gaming. It helps no, you're fine to call me out if I'm wrong. I don't mind. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the next question, I think. Uh, let's see. The use of technology in a fantasy setting. Well, we see it quite a lot, I think. Um, already in, in back in the day, uh, th there's certainly some modules. I can't think of the names now, but where at the center of it, it's actually a crashed spaceship in, in many ways. In Dungeon Crawl Classics, we have a lot of sort of weird um, technology in it. Ah, oh, yeah, barrier peaks. And um, also um, the, 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 the typical um, sufficiently advanced uh, technology is just like magic anyway. So so I think it's always been a big part of it. But um, if you don't, so, some people don't like, some players don't like it because it might change the tone of it. But um, specifically in my game, actually, it, we have a lot of that in, sorry, in Hypertolerance. And the, the way we keep the tone in check is just by calling things differently. The moment you start calling things by modern names, it might feel weird and anachronistic, like uh, lasers or guns. But you can say things like ray emitters, or you can say moving automatons instead of robots. And, and just, just by uh, calling it out in different ways, it still very much remains in, in, the, in the fantasy realm, I find. It's a good but then tactic. also you have like different levels of tech, right? Because usually in, or at least when I think of tech in fantasy, like I don't like the the sci-fi tech because that for me is just too way too big of a gap. But I'm sort of okay with like steampunk tech. So you have like the the monoculars or the binoculars with somehow steampunky lots of gears and stuff. And then you have a good old space tech, which can be done via magic, or you can use your little spaceship things, whatever they may be, sailing through uh, space. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the the wand of fireballs, or sorry, the other way around, I guess, uh, your blunderbuss isn't a million miles away from a wand of fireballs, except it's, like, weaker and less reliable. I'm going to fire a cannon in space and just watch the ball slowly slow down. If you fire a, a cannonball in space, the ball will never slow down, not until it hits the gravitational field of another um, giant mass. Not with my fantasy physics system. Sorry. <laughs> physics yeah, yeah, I mean, ether, ether okay. slows it down. <clears throat> I don't know. I have a very mixed... I don't like too much tech in my high fantasy. If I want to do tech, then I usually do something that's more, well, let me rephrase that. Shadowrun is high fantasy with tech. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with that because it's futuristic. In my medieval-esque realm fantasy, I'm not as big on a lot of tech. I also think that a lot of companies have a hard time with balancing tech in games. And I think that that's something that has to be addressed with players who want to bring tech-heavy aspects into a game. 
Uh, just like mages have. Balance is well overrated. The what's overrated? Balance. Balance. I don't know that balance is overrated. I think that I it's, think it's, it, things don't have to be as super equal. Everyone has the exact hit points type of thing. But having a player who suddenly has 200 steam robots with, you know, battle tanks on them could be problematic for everybody else. Yeah, let me qualify that statement a little bit. Um, I like, I was saying balance is already in the sense that uh, games are fun when they're wild and crazy and uh, and such like. But the, the, the one balance that you always need is between the players having the same amount of fun or a very similar amount yes. of fun. And that's, that can come from very different ways. But to address the army of Steam Tanks, though, make it communal and give every player um, a different role in in. in coordinating or that army and then it's really but fun again only yeah, if fun. they're interested in doing that yeah if you right. only have one guy who's interested in having the army of steam tanks and the other people want to have more traditional party dynamics it doesn't work so i that's for me but absolutely i agree it should be wild and crazy and fun but the balance but has to be between the players I know in the at least Mistara setting, the Blackmore was the pre-setting to Mistara, and any time a tech thing came up that was old Blackmore, it's pretty much like a world-ending thing of art, an artifact or a magical item or a tech magical item. It was just so powerful. And those guys ended up blowing up their own world, and hey, Mistara's here now, and it's mainly just magic, but remnants of long-ago magic tech or just pure tech um, were terrifying. <laughs> Yes, thine holy hand grenade. <laughs> and that's one that's... Thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, real quick, in, in the Numenera uh, setting, you have the ciphers, which range from very small things to really, really large effects. Um, and that's really quite interesting. And you can have, like little black holes appear and then disappear again and the way they keep that a little bit in check is by limiting the amount of ciphers you're allowed to carry so you're encouraged to go through them a lot and and through that over time you'll have everyone get their hands at really crazy powerful things hopefully um so that, could, that can be quite good fun Another way I've seen it done, and I'm not sure if the system did this, is the technology was there, but its power source was funneled by magic through the players and through um, any humanoid being. Um, basically, uh, the the it's kind of like a focus or a magnifying glass the weapons were used as, and it was just uh, intensified through the weapons, but it's still like raw magic coming through them. That's nice. That also does away with having to count bullets and such like. You're just you're pouring your own sort of life force or your spell slots or whatever through it. Exactly. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was a nice way to blend the two, honestly. Yeah. Uh-oh, our two strange gods people went quiet on us. They're conspiring. 
Sorry, I was scrolling up uh, to try and find the next uh, question, but you have to scroll quite a far, quite far now. That's uh, realms, planes, and planets. I don't know exactly what that means. Oh, just maybe outside yeah, of the material. Yeah, that was actually something that I threw in there as a, as a thing because uh, I find it interesting that whenever we have a fantasy world, anything with magic, we normally have different dimensions in in a way. We 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 have like the ethereal plane, we have the astral plane, and and all sorts. Um, and uh, it's interesting to find out how, how that relates the different planets, how different planets and stuff. So physically separate places. Uh, as opposed to sort of coexisting the same space things, why the need to to add all of these things they that seem to be omnipresent in pretty much uh, every fantasy world? It's a good question. I, I imagine it's just a parallel to our reality in that there being religion and having demons and angels and that whole deal. Things in the game have to come from somewhere else, so we conjure up these magical places and planes and relate them to our stories, our games. I agree. It's a device. It's much like gods. Where did that horrible thing come from? The other plane, dimension, whatever. I think it's have... good. And then we have things like the, the Cthulhu mythos where the strange gods and whatnots are actually from different planets or from the space between the stars and things like that. And I think as human beings, we have trouble quantifying nothingness or things like infinity. So having a tangible, it's just in another plane or an alternate reality makes things much more tangible in our brains, I guess. So Earth Dawn, which is one of our titles, plays with especially the kind of Cthulhu-esque elder gods leaking through, creating these horrors. Like that's the entire like backdrop, really, in some respects. I mean, there's more to it, but but it's a way to. I think you're right. A way to make it something manageable. They're not all here, right? And we can fight the ones that have leaked through. The ones we and it don't makes like. It something. Huh? Sorry. The ones. The ones we don't like. We fight. Um, in, in this, they're all ones you fight. Oh, There's okay. no good horrors. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Things that leak over from the astral plane are bad. Actually, that may not be totally true. I may have missed something. There might be something that's not as bad. But pretty much, I'm, they, they named them horrors for a reason. But, right. but yeah, I mean, the entire world setting's about fighting these things. And, you know... That how societies have either banded together or think that they're okay, and then you have to have heroes that go and get the rest of them. And but I think you're right in the fact that it's a way for us to leak this kind of horrible thing over into a world setting without it taking over the entire world setting. Like, can you imagine if your characters were on? a Cthulhu planet astral plane. Like, they would never get any downtime. If they're here and they're fighting them as they come across them, you have these points of highs that you need in stories, but you can also bring in those lows where they rest up and recover and recuperate and build the world. 
I find it quite interesting uh, as well, though, rather than having something that is geographically distinct uh, but can leak over, or so if you can go from one place to another in a way, uh, to say the underworld um, being literally below ground, like you have in old Greek myths and uh, and, and other uh, other such sort of older civilization where travel itself was already a ginormous obstacle. When we cast our minds into our imaginative space, uh, we're still thinking with our modern brains and whether something is here or 100 miles away isn't that big a deal. We can catch a train or whatnot and, and our players, our characters have magic. So putting something on the ground in such a way that you could dig a hole and get to the abyss or hell itself um, would, would potentially be quite um, game-changing. Whereas if it's in a different location that maybe exists in a different frequency dimension or whatever you want to call it and you have to get like a spell or something unknowable again to get there makes it a lot easier but i i, I do sometimes wonder whether the, the getting there physically could be could be quite quite fun yeah i think that would be interesting i don't know that i've ever had a player try that i had a gm once who decided and it was in the the beginning of all things must be D20 system. And he decided that he was tired of running D&D. &D, and he took a vote, which I thought was like the silliest thing to ever do. Why take a vote if you didn't really want the vote to matter? And most of the table actually still wanted to play D&D. &D, and he had wanted to play Star Wars. So he decided that the people who wanted to play D&D &D could continue to play D&D. &D. He would just bring back the idea of Spelljammer, take these D&D &D people on a Spelljammer ship and basically transfer them to Star Wars. And so you had these D&D &D players and you had Jedis and wow. it was messed up and it died very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem very fair to the players. It sounds like you just I didn't even understand. <laughs> Why have the vote? Like, if you're just going to be like, I'm done with this, I'm going to do this, then okay, everybody has to, whether you were happy about it or not, you either made a new character or you quit, whatever it was. I guess he honestly thought it was going to go his way. I don't know. But... Well, he tried and failed. He tried and failed. It was it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> we had this uh, pixie character. It was mine, and she lost just lost her temper because she was a really horribly madly behaved five-year-old actually and she melted these panels that she thought were gems but were actually just plastic glowy buttons and had a hissy fit which chain lightning their bridge it was it was a mess wow yeah but it the idea of physically going someplace is still very interesting because you do have things like i don't recommend dnd into star wars not recommending that, but taking things like going onto Spelljammer or, you know, I guess Pathfinder has, um, I should know this one, Starfinder. Yeah. So you, you could, you know. Yeah. It's like, I kind uh, of like the idea of digging to hell better. I really do. Like that now needs to happen in the game. But for me, like I need to see that happen. That sounds super interesting. It's I also just like the well, idea of like being able cult. to like teleport. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying, Frank? What was that? Oh, sorry, no, it's the same. Did you have a cult spoke. and they have a secret headquarters, and what they're doing in the headquarters is digging, 
and all the sort of clues that lead up towards that is, is buying a lot of equipment that re relates to digging or stealing scrolls of movers and and lots of other stuff and be interesting and what are they doing oh yeah they're, they're digging to hell because they're worshipping they want to worship or uh, a particular demon demon lord or something yeah, i think there's oh, a god yeah. in pathfinder where he literally lives at the center of galarian the god's name is rovagug and the cults or the the, the people that worship him literally are trying to get him out of it and essentially what what would happen if they did is the destruction of galarian yeah and, he was imprisoned uh, by the early uh, gods because uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, he could literally oh. dig to hell all I'm envisioning with digging to hell is the mass enslavement of all the uh, dwarves, honestly. And mole people. Which would be an interesting setting. Are you sure it wouldn't be the dwarves overseeing the enslavement of all the other races? Because they'd be the ones more likely to want to dig down there. Mm. You go either way, honestly. I like mine, though. <laughs> well, someone has to. We're talking about sort of physical places for for metaphysical ideas um i've been reading the forbidden realms rpg recently and they have a really interesting creation myth in there where the places where the humans lived uh, got that they had worms that were sort of god god type worms and they've been digging through the soul too much so it's starting to fall apart so they had to move across the ocean essentially and find a new place so the god turned into a raven with a worm between his uh claws and was carrying all the humans over because the old place had been yeah had too much wormwood essentially that's <laughs> quite interesting that sounds pretty cool <clears throat> we had one where one of the characters was stolen by these people who were trapped in the shadow realm she'd been some sort of shadow walker and she would pop in and out of the shadow realm to do her kind of you know sidestepping right and they kidnapped this character and the other the rest of the party had to go and save them and then they had to try to figure out how to get the heck back out because it wasn't as easy as and then i teleport out I and like it was it was it was interesting and the place is so dreary that it starts to have psychological effects on you and but it's still that and i, I think gotta... it goes back to what you said earlier it's the fact that we get to play with it i mean that's why we have it to play with it. What happens if you're stuck in another plane? I mean, if you look at uh, GURPS, um, Savage Worlds kind of works this way, kind of you could anyhow, but GURPS and Rifts with all the different dimensions and you can bring anything you want together. You know, you can have a Glitter Boy and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and, you know, a, a Dog Soldier and a Dragon. That's my party today, you know. That's that's I loved the rift systems for that because they had ninjas and super spies and superheroes and anything. Yeah, I, I loved so cool. that aspect. I will say that there are other parts that I did not love as much, but I loved the no. Seriously, you you want to you want to be a unicorn? Cool, we can do that. You're a turtle, teenage mutant ninja turtle. You're a unicorn. Fine, like. You literally could just anything you came up with. There was a rule. S small, s small, uh, self-serving plug, but that—that's pretty much what you can do in Hypertellurians as well. The you, one person plays a vampire, the other person plays a mermaid, and then we have an orc and a time traveler. That works, no problem. 
<laughs> but there's insane. a lot of great fun that comes from that type of openness that like literally you can be anything you come up with yeah the only difficulty uh, that i've encountered in that is just setting the tone for it uh, certain types of campaigns are much easier to run when you have a crazy band like that than others um, but yeah you can you can totally do that and that's good fun It's gone quiet, so shall we move on to the next topic? It's usually the same. The next topic was actually mine. How to handle player actions for derailing purposefully or not. I would not know anything about that. I'm looking at you, Puddles. Not Fuck just you. The... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he called you out. <laughs> I have no idea what he could possibly mean. So, so my first question there is, uh, what do you mean by derailing? Well, um, so I guess the example Completely is from my personal experience is where um, you have a campaign and you know you have your your setting and you're running through the story and for whatever reason, um, the players, either their backstory or just their um, the way they play their character, the, their character's personalities are lead them astray away from the main plot points or what uh, the rest of the players around the table are trying to accomplish um so i guess that uh, yeah that makes sense because the, i mean the derailing aspect when when what i was trying to get at i suppose was the 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 concept of the main plot um but you very quickly uh, added what the other players are trying to do and i think it's important that everyone at the table uh, has has fun with the, the story, because if it's one person trying to do their own thing away from everything else, then that's that's a bit of a an issue in terms of how much time do you spend with one person compared to to everyone else. Right. But as for the rest, the main plot, in in my experience or in my recommendation, the main plot is just all of the crazy stuff that the players come up with anyway. Right. I mean, it's hard to do because there there are five players versus or four players, whatever the table size is versus the DM. The DM can plan, 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 but less laid plans are going to be unraveled somehow. A thing comes to mind where you go through, I don't know, a year of adventuring, assembling this thing to defeat some big bad, and a player comes up with something as simple of a spell combination that ends it outright, and you didn't even need to do all these other assembly things to kill it or vanquish it, or send it away. Um, I don't know if that's such, so much a derail as more of a just player ingenuity, or the player's ingenuity, because sometimes it can be more than one player. Mm -hmm. So I would start with number one, there's no such thing as players derailing. This Thank is you. kind of a, a falsehood <laughs> that... It, it's it, it's it's a falsehood in the structure. So what role-playing games are is a group exercise in, stor in storytelling. It is not a GM versus the players. Right. So it's I not that. that. And so because it's not GMs versus them, they can't derail the story because we're telling the story together. So it's a mindset issue, I think, that people have to be aware of and, and work around. One, I, I always tell people, don't don't write 14 pages of a campaign. You know, don't don't spend all that time. Somebody else mentioned it may have been Pex. Um, 
don't spend all this time writing, or maybe it was Frank, you know, spending hours trying to create this story that you're going to expect them to follow because it turns out that none of them are mind readers. They're not going to follow it. Even if they were mind readers, there's always at least that one who's going to be a told ass and go left anyhow because that's what players do. Like that's their job is to do crazy and wild things. And you're part of this, but you're not going to get them to all go the way you want them to. Right. I understand it. I think right. what the I other was thing more, more is, leaning towards was that making it less fun for all the other players because this in, one player wants to focus on, on a them. different aspect of the current session or the current goal. So, right. On them or their player character. So I have two suggestions on that one. So, and it depends on the type of player it is because I find that the ones who do that, there are two types. There's either the I'm the lone wolf and I'm going to do the lone wolfy things right? Who I'm not following them because I'm going to go do this lone wolf over here thing, right? Those you have to look at in a different way than the ones who just want to be the center of attention and will go somewhere else so that they get one-on-one -on -one time. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's, there's a, sense. it's a different personality. So the lone wolf ones, you have to go, okay, if you go off and do your thing over there and you don't care that you're not involved with what the group's doing and you're not harming what the group is doing, then I'll get back to you when I'm done with the group. Bye. That's and as exactly long as they're not hurt. Yeah, as long as they're not upset about it, because I've had. I was in a game once where this one guy's character was a changeling. New world, new wad changeling. His character never left the bar. Like his oh, character God. spent the entire time <laughs> at the bar. And his key was, he was happy about it. Like he didn't care. Like you would go in and you could talk to him and he would make phone calls. He was kind of like a fixer. Or you could be out in the middle of nowhere and you could call him and be like, can you find somebody who can do blah? Or can you awesome. have someone bring me this thing? And he would do it. And he was happy as a clam. But that's his character. He likes to play these kind of lone wolves off to the side. But he was never upset at he may not be involved really as a character in an entire session. He was just happy hanging out listening to the story otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Not a problem. There's, no, there's nothing to change or fix in that type of scenario, right? The other one is actually much more problematic because you cannot give them an hour of one-on-one -on -one time in your three-hour session. It's not fair to everybody else. And sometimes this is as easily fixed as, hey, out of game, you seem to need a lot more with what you're trying to do, but it's distracting from this. Is there any way that we can take 15, 20 minutes before game and work through some of that one-on-one -on -one or after game or in between sessions so that I can keep everybody else rolling. Now, that may not fit into your schedule to be able to do things like that, but it's one way to kind of curtail them doing it at the table. The other one is, is that if they break off on their own away from the party, is that you'll get back to them on what happened, but you won't play through the whole thing. I think that's that almost a perfect sense. answer there and echoes pretty much what I was going to say. I just wanted to add one thing on that. If if you get to a point where it really makes sense that they go off on their own and the other players aren't involved, I find it useful to involve the players by giving them different roles to play, like the, the encounters they might come across, NPCs or monsters or something like that. Uh, but that only works every once in a while and you have to have the stats 
uh, to hand or certain motivations to hand. But that can be quite fun, if especially if it's related to a character's backstory uh, and it makes a lot of sense in the game, and it gives them a little bit of uh, screen time without without everyone else twiddling their thumbs. But if you do it, make sure you do it um, fairly and and rotate it around so that everyone gets that little moment and, and stuff like that. But the moment it does get problematic, exactly what Andy says is you you have to take it the conversation out of game, and we're all you know pretty reasonable people, and we can normally work this stuff out. Yeah. Now here comes the fun part. What if they're unreasonable? Oh yeah. Say, Fuck then you, you say, yeah, don't come back. <laughs> I'm to sorry my game. that you don't. I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> but I don't feel like you're a good fit for this table. I'll let you know if there's a table that opens up that I feel like you're a good fit. That's exactly what I would do, honestly. There's only yeah. so much you can try to be amenable to the other person. Yeah, thankfully, that hasn't happened at any of my actual games yet. But you still um, looking at me? No, no, I was just teasing you. You're fine. You're like, fuck. And that can happen. <laughs> if you GM long enough, it will happen. It, it will. And sometimes it's for how they behave in character, and sometimes it's for how they behave out of character. I think everyone who's GM long enough has had that one person who, out of character, you're just like, nope, <laughs> this doesn't work. You're angering so, the rest of the table. You got to go. One other thing to to bear in mind: sometimes the person who sort of seems to be allegedly de de uh, derailing the plot, sometimes it's a it's a signal to the GM saying your your current story is boring. Let's do something more exciting. So do bear that in mind as well as Jim, I guess. Uh, right. not, not, not often, but that can that can be a case. And sometimes when you're using a pre-written adventure, especially ones that haven't been playtested very well, you might just think, yeah, he's got a real point. Let's just skip this whole level here. I had to do that recently player. myself. Um, there was a... there The random encounters uh, for a pre-made I'm running right now were just ridiculous. And I don't know, we would spend... If we, we played it as written, it would probably go at least six months of random encounters before they got to the destination. So you, you kind of have to give and take there and edit a little bit, even with pre-writtens. I know there's this law of the land. You shouldn't deviate from the adventure, but sometimes you got to for the sake of the oh, table. Uh, who told you that was a law? They were wrong. <laughs> uh, no They're one in particular. Wrong. I can't name names, <laughs> but I, I recall videos and forums aplenty with that. Uh, no, we totally deviate and we always deviate because one, the players are going to deviate on their own. And again, we're supposed to be working with them, you know, so yes, we deviate. I mean, I use I mean, I... pre-written adventures more as a, as a rough guideline, if anything, these days. Right. Yes, yes, thank you, Frank. If they want to go left, we're going left. We're having more fun in left anyway. Usually. The, the, you know you've really hit your stride when you write, because we all do, I mean, we have a story over arc at least, right? When, when they go left, you manage to kind of connect it back to that over arc so that they think that you planned the whole thing out. And really, you're just letting them have enough rope to hang themselves. Exactly. You Thank you. That's when you know you've got it. <laughs> And I know we joke about it a lot, but I, I see it come up, um, like I said, in forums and videos and stuff about you got a problem player, just kill him. Like, that's the most no, horrible no. advice you could give any DM <laughs> ever. That's terrible. Murder. 
That's the answer, Bex. Honestly, and, honestly. And it's not even taken in a funny context. They're being completely serious about it. Um, but I know like on here That's we joke about it, but everywhere else some but, people are very serious. Step one should always be, have you tried talking to them? No. And you'd be surprised how many people look at you. <laughs> I, I did a, a seminar at Gen Con and I was talking about, I don't remember which seminar it was, but this lady asked me afterwards, she's like, she's got this guy and he's playing this lone wolf and he never wants to be with the rest of the party. And, you know, how does she you know, connect him back. She's tried everything to get him more interested in the story. And I'm like, except talk to him, right? Except for talk to him. I'm like, have you actually just sat there, pulled him aside and said, are you having fun? And she's like, what? Have you as a GM and human talked to him as a player and human? And she looked at me like I just talked to her in French. Like what? Why would you do that? Because that's what you do. <laughs> These should be your friends. What does friend does not compute? They players. <laughs> <laughs> They're people. What if he's perfectly happy? What if he's like my friend Stu, who's happy being the guy at the bar who never leaves the bar? Leave him there. <laughs> Just leave him there. If he's happy yeah. and he's not harming anything, who cares? He's happy. But it never dawned on her that that was like a thing. Like, when did we stop talking to our players? Yeah, that's that's amazing. How much that's just funny. being able to sit down and talk with your players if they're causing any kind of... That's just... I guess for some people it's hard for GMs or other players to read the intentions of other players without actually airing, airing it out, I guess. Well, I think people are afraid of confrontation and the confrontation going badly. That's the, that's the dreaded fear. Uh, but if you yes. avoid, 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 your problem doesn't change. Yeah, or worse, you dress it up as an in-game argument. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, just talking about the, the the character who loves sitting in the in the in the bar. I had to I had this weird idea of 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 making that into the game part of it in the sense of like you have the agent uh, at, in the field and you have the handler who is uh, you know on the phone and computers doing the research things you can do you could actually do a similar thing in a, in a, in a role playing game you have the party as the field agents they're out there fighting the monsters and kind of phoning home to the guy in the bar who who's, who's talking to various patron one of them has his big book of monsters and trying to look up what can we do oh, against man. this jelly thing and stuff like I just well I can't get any like... more information out until I've bought him another pint and I can't buy him another pint until I've won the next round of, of the gambling game what <laughs> it's Charlie's Angels but for RPGs yes <laughs> then, I mean like, on the side of the players like as as a player I mean Tizzle's called me out before for like derailing campaigns but sometimes like I just I'm not interested in the RP like um, Bear who's one of uh, the players in Strange Gods podcast He's very much into like logistics, uh, figuring out how exactly like what equipment to buy, and I'm just I like literally I have zero interest in that. So I just say, okay, my character's gonna do this, and then you know get back to me when you're done. Right, and it's a careful balance because what maybe of just interest to you, like you said, is highly interest to them, and it, it's a teeter tottering effect. Everybody has to get their special time in, and that's... Well, exactly. So if you're the odd one out, why should you get more time than the whole the party as a group, right? Well, it sounds right. like you've come up with a decent way of handling it. They're going to work on that, and my character's going to pick 
blue flowers, but only the blue ones for the next like two hours. Yep. I, I did that one time in a uh, character's game where my, my, I don't know, Sizzle, you're playing in Cathal's game? Uh, you don't, n- right? No, no, I haven't okay. played in his. <laughs> so my character in that game is like super friendly, constantly chatting all the time. So while they were discussing like important logistics things, mine just went and tried to make friends with the guards in the in the town. I ended up getting like really beat up because I kept offering them cookies and milk and they kept throwing me across the town square. <laughs> just like, okay, Puddles, getting back to you. What are you doing? I'm trying to make friends with the guard. Okay, they take seven points of damage. Back to the group. It just went on like that for a good two hours. It's great. I, I think that that brings up a really interesting thing and it's it's kind of a very debated topic of technology not in the game but at the table where you could now private message the gm i rolled a seven on you know intimidate what does the guard think of me and so the gm doesn't have to necessarily stop totally and deal with you and your side excursions i mean the old days we used to occasionally pass notes type of thing Mm -hmm. but it's very similar so updated and whether or not that's less disruptive or more disruptive than taking that 30 seconds and being like, okay, no, he hit you in the head. Go away. Back to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, it sounds like it really just uh, comes down to the div- division of time in play at the table or virtual tabletop and the player that is quote unquote derailing is at an understanding where, uh, they know that they're doing something on the side, and the rest of the players, you know, the DM should have more time with them because they're doing this versus me because I'm doing this. Well, it sounds like in 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 your case uh, specifically, you know, she knows she's I okay know. with and I, and I love picking that. flowers yeah. for three hours, <laughs> which is nice. I mean, like <laughs> you guys have either talked about it or she already knows, and she's like, "I'm good. My character's not into that right now, so she's going to go do this thing." Yep. That's cool. Short attention spans. Can't yeah, deal with it. it to, to harken back to what Frank mentioned earlier about you know players having it out as their player characters if they have a like an in-player <sighs> argument. I've actually had a, a, a game I'm remembering this now just talking about it. Um, a game completely just become destroyed because hmm. one of the players um, tried to pickpocket something off of a corpse. They failed their stealth check. One of the players noticed it and called them on it, and then they had an in-game argument. The other player wouldn't give up the item, and um, we never played after that. I completely forgot about it. Oh, um, shit. And it was harsh. I wouldn't say that it was... I guess it was kind of everybody's fault, because I don't know if the player that tried to hide it, he got, like, super hurt, and felt like the table was attacking him, and it was just a disaster. Um... Yeah, and and I guess it can come to that at some point if it's not managed well or if people don't talk. That's a hard one. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) truthfully, when when I had thought Frank was talking about was when they take the out of character rules esque or you're distracting everybody out of character stuff, and then try to argue it as characters argue, and that's always bad. Like keep out of character, out of character, in character, in. That's an in character argument, and that's really hard. Because both sides think that char- my character's a thief, so it's okay. They're dead. They're not using it. The other guys know you rob the dead. That's horrible. It's hubris. It's sacrosanct, whatever. 
that's that's a hard one. But isn't that just an issue when players let their like feelings, their characters' not, feelings? Well, no, their personal feelings into their characters because they're essentially arguing their own. Moral. It depends on what their characters are, because it could be the characters' feelings. Like if you have a paladin who honestly believes that stealing from the dead instead of it going to like their next of kin or something is a problem, versus a a rogue thief who's like they're dead, it's mine now. But then yep. isn't, so the fact that that argument leaks over into out of character, isn't that just the players being too invested in their characters? Yeah, That's it, it true, turned out but, to be just a huge misunderstanding too. Which was well, but then we're talking about now that they're not just arguing in character, they've gone and they're arguing out of character. And that's, again, that whole in character needs to be in character, out of character has to be kept out of character. Right. And some, did you try calling a timeout? Uh, I tried as best I could, but I think feelings were just caught and... Yeah, uh, the game fell apart after that. I'm sorry. I that the group back together again after. That's the worst. Yeah, that bites. I'm bad. sorry. And uh, segueing back to talking with the players, I've actually had to bow out of a yeah two games um, as a DM because I wasn't the right DM for that table, and it was obvious. I usually give it about a month or so to see if compromises and all that can be made. If if not, kind of just roundtable discuss. Am I the right DM for you kind of deal? Because uh, I have a, a certain style, as every DM does, and sometimes it doesn't jive with what the table's really wanting. So there's the table's fun, then there's the DM's fun, and then there's that beautiful blend when everybody's having fun together. And sometimes that can't be met, unfortunately. Good right. for you. Yeah. Good for you. I don't know many GMs who notice that and are as in tune to it enough to go, hey, I may not fit. Good for you. Yeah, because sometimes it's you. It's not them. Yeah. I like a very heavy RP. I, I'm not going to keep track of how many bullets you have. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But there are, again, like they were talking about, there are players who that's their bread and butter. They want to deal with that minutia of, no, I don't have quite enough rope. They, they want to, they, but they do. There's people who are like that, or they want to literally get every time all the minis out and you know count the squares and the whole thing i'm never gonna be that guy just not gonna do it i'm the same way andy i hate dealing with just the little things like i there's <gasps> players that love but dealing do. with all do you have all the agents for to be able to cast that i'm like oh, man i don't i don't care just uh don't worry about it <laughs> a little tip but, for when you have a player that loves uh, asking about these things rather than uh, keeping track of it because sometimes you get that player who says oh uh, addressing the gm do i have enough of this or do i have enough of that or do i know enough of this and well no actually what i would say is you always have almost enough almost enough so just that the outcome is 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 always fun it's like do i have enough rope ah so close you're two meters out but you can probably drop down the rest or do i have <laughs> enough light i'm sure the torch will last yeah. <laughs> hey, probably maybe actually, see you know you'll find out i actually had a character <laughs> at a, a table game in their inventory they had some rope just the, those two words <laughs> And I was like, "Do you guys Perfect. have a rope?" I'm do that next time. How yes. long's the rope? Just I got I got some rope. I think it's good enough. Like, All right, cool. I like it. Let's roll with it. He's got he's got some rope. That's <laughs> awesome. I thought that was brilliant. Now, on the same line of like distracting from the the table or disrupting, 
Um, sometimes it's the DM's fault who's giving into the players too much, like being yes to everything that the player's asking for or requesting. Um, that just quote unquote makes the game either unfun or wonky or unplayable. I, I think it's that goes back to that confrontation thing. They don't want to say no in fear of something bad happening at the table or out of character kind of deal. Have you got an example about where saying yes is um, it, I can. bad? Because I'm just, I'm normally a yes man. Oh, sorry, I'm a yes, I'm a yes and, person. and a yes but person. So, And I agree with you. Usually, I mean, part of my job as a GM, in my opinion, is to is to find a way to say yes to you. But when I was a much newer GM and I would try to say yes to things, even if they were crazy, like, can I have a construct? And I, okay, I don't see a big problem with that. And then they're like, oh, I have a diamond construct. What? What's a freak? <laughs> but I wouldn't always weigh balance. Like now I'm like, okay, well, tell me more about this construct. How many constructs? What type of construct? And then we try to find some compromise so that it keeps that player in balance with the others while still getting to say yes. But I have made the mistake where I've said yes to stuff that changed the balance so badly that it messed up the game. And, and I'm with Andy. That's how I used to do things. Well, it was a learning curve on that of balance versus being able to get the players exactly what they want. You could say yes to them, but within the confines of yes, but, or yes, however, it's going to have this consequence come with it, or this not so much a negative thing, just a counter thing the player may not have thought about. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I imagine. Oh, go ahead. No, so so for example, with the concert, and it's as you say, Andy, it's a it's a learning experience as well. In the beginning, I would sometimes back myself into these corners, but nowadays, uh, I, I realize that my corners are just unpainted uh, scenery, and uh, like you, you want this construct that is absolutely fantastic. So, what's it powered by? Ah, your dreams, fantastic. So uh, you wanted to move, they're going for a snooze and stuff like that. So I, I, yeah, now, now, nowadays I've, I, I find that sort of emergent gameplay comes from the player suggesting interesting stuff and it keeps me as a, as a GM quite interested as well. But, it, but it's a slightly different thing when, when you have a, a player who, who actually comes from the, from the idea that this would be fun versus the idea of, oh, I'm going to try and trip the GM over and have the most powerful thing ever. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right, and you're on point, and I love the stuff that my players come up with. I love, like, they get extra XP if they come up with something that just makes me go, I'm sorry, what the fuck did you just say? Like, <laughs> what? Okay, well, let me think about that. But if you can make me stop and think, I'm like, sweet, let's... But you're right, it's no longer I'm backed into a corner. Now I know to ask the questions that do two things. One, make me realize I'm not in a corner, and two helps them to flesh it out into something usually even more interesting. So I think you're exactly right, Frank. And another fun thing to do is, yes, but you're going to go on this really long, extremely tedious quest to get all these parts and things you need to get for whatever you're asking for. And it's so long and involved, they're usually back down and be like, I don't want to do this anymore, or I don't want to get whatever they're asking for. But if they do go for it, they do buy it, I'll give it to them because they're, they're going to go through the motions to earn it. Yeah, but careful there that you're not really, really pissing off all the other players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if they have something like absurd, like a 50-foot stone giant, like 
Ghostbuster style that they can operate, sure, but you're going to need to go find it wherever it is in the lost woods of Lost. I have an evil campaign that's been going on over a decade, and I won't get into what the spell was because it's pretty bad, but I finally was like, okay, yeah, you can totally have the spell that you want to create, but you have to have a pure black diamond that has no flaws the size of my fist, and you have to have a virgin black unicorn's womb, and I don't remember what the other thing was, but it was horrible. (laughs) And they spent, like, I think three years doing this, and part of it was that character talking the other players into being on board with the plan. And the things that he had to do and to give up and to help them with so that they would help him. That's badass. It was amazing and awful, and... Reminds and they're me a starting bit the game of my back up. Game where, where I'm playing rather than jamming for a change. And we have to travel somewhere in order to get a, a magical liver. <laughs> what the hell? Well, those are important for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. take one too. And it has to be from a type AB negative magical liver. It's, it's a thing. Right. What I was going to say fine. earlier is that uh, being a DM and players, we're all just, it's all like cooperative improv, right? And I think Peck said it earlier, it, it, with improv, it's always yes and, but with uh, with DMing, especially, I think it's yes, but. I didn't think about it or equate it to that, but it makes makes a lot of sense here, especially as a DM. It's, it's always yes, but, so. I think so that's, that's a very cool. succinct way of putting it, yeah. It's pretty cool. I like that. Yes, Do but. you differentiate okay, between okay. yes buts for flavor or yes buts for like mechanics or combat? I'd say both. It it depends what it it depends. <laughs> what are they yes. asking yeah. for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all got it comes down to DM, DM fiat or GM fiat at that point. It really depends what it is in question. True, true, yeah. And also say the but uh, can be disguised as an and totally to make it a little sweeter uh, on it. So uh, yeah, can, can I have the can I have this magical liver, please? Yes. And now the person whose liver it was originally is uh, waking up and is being very pissed off. Yeah. You that's that's really a but. Liver <laughs> and the person too. Wait, yeah. you mean when you took that black unicorn's womb and the person who was in charge of the herd got really mad and then tried to hunt you down and kill you? That's the thing. Wait, are you serious? Huh. I would yeah, imagine that totally that the black unicorn had something to say about it too. <laughs> she was pretty she- dead. I mean, there's a major difference. DM, can I find a saddlebag in town? Oh yeah, the innkeeper's got one in his in his his room. He hasn't used it for years. He's willing to sell it to you. Versus, can I have the sword of world ending? Yes, but <laughs> Well, and it does depends on what we consider just flavor, because a lot of things that turn out as flavor in the beginning become weaponized later. Like, I just want this pet, you know, monkey. Okay, that seems easy enough. But then the monkey stealing things and getting them stuff, and monkey can hold somehow they've decided to cast spells through the monkey. I don't know. <laughs> Familiar gone wrong. We're good. We're good. And then the circus NPCs come to town and take that monkey away. Oh no! Totally didn't oh, see no, that. Oh no, no, that gets you a burnt down circus. I know. <laughs> Arnie's never got it easy. <laughs> the party love the monkey so much they have to find it. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
players will hunt you down to the end of the earth for anything you steal from them. It's great. We're coming for you, Barnum and Bailey. Speaking <laughs> of, um, of like yes ands, in one campaign, my character like from the get go, he wanted to become a god. Like he thought he was a god, and this brings us back also to what we t- talked about in the beginning. Um, I didn't get like. So nothing ever really happened except my character was essentially an egomaniac. But during one session where essentially no one showed up, we spent the entire session um, building a church. Like map building, he made like an entire map and then I got to decide where what went. And just together we built this church for my character, which was then like a staple in the later sessions was I had a restaurant in this church and I would constantly like collect meat from different downed NPCs. (laughs) <laughs> or, or monsters, and we're like, oh yeah, we're now selling demon meat in this uh, in my restaurant at the church of something something. You get discount if you're a member. And what well, uh, was the church called? <laughs> the church of Dusty, just the Church of Dusty. Dusty was my character, and I think in like <laughs> the last couple sessions, we entered into this essentially this dungeon, and um, we had players that kept dropping in and out, and then the DM was like, all right, fine, you have bestowed, you have been bestowed powers of godhood. But essentially, the only thing you can do with that is bring pl- bring different car- PCs in and out. So, like every time you sneeze, a PC is exchanged for another, and we do that at, like the beginning of every session. Was oh look at that! <laughs> One PC disappeared, another appeared. Woohoo! That's awesome. That's hilarious. But that was essentially like flavor stuff. Like, that didn't actually affect combat other than my character RP. Then it sounds like the correct answer was already in place. They said, yes, "Yes, you built a church. Yes, it was funny. I enjoyed it. It It's good stuff. I like how that played into being, like, switching players out. (laughs) Yep. I love the idea of something causes you to sneeze mid-combat, and and just the first thing you do is go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> that that did happen one session where he was like testing out his powers and we had one character one player who actually made like multiple PCs that hadn't died but he'd switched between them for some reason or another and like he was testing out his character uh his newfound power like flexing his muscle and then he would just have like this other player would just have to switch through characters like oh no <laughs> <laughs> It was a good time all around, I promise. Flavor it that sounds like into it. some mechanic. I think one of my favorites is actually not when... Well, I, I, I love when they come up with something I didn't, but I also love when they are willing to allow you something that they think is flavor for you to just kind of like... So I had this guy and he was like, I want to do something different, but I just don't know what it is. And I was like, what are you playing again? He's like, oh, I want to do... You know, and I'm like, I have an idea but I won't tell you about it, but you'll love it. Yes. And he's like, sure. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think they were called Blink Gnomes. And I keep thinking they were Dark Sun, but I could be wrong on the name because it's been a long time. And so he didn't realize that he had this basically double recessive Blink gene. And all of a sudden he just started randomly, you know, moving and not being where he was and ending up in (laughs) trees and stuff. And then he kept getting better and better by trying to practice this. And he got into so many problems. Like he tried to, in the middle of combat, and it wouldn't work. He'd, he'd miss the roll. <laughs> when he didn't want it to, sometimes it would randomly happen until he got control of it. And he thought it was the funniest stuff ever. That sounds hilarious. And it gives yeah, you like so much control. Like, 
I love the idea that uh, it might be because you said he's got the bling gene that it's like a virus. You get affected with blinkism potentially. <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> then we could have infected the entire party with it. That would have been hilarious. That's now canon in my next game. What? I was like, where were where were you when I needed you, Frank? God, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he lives over there, unfortunately. Frank. Yeah, it's true. It's getting dark here. <laughs> the sun's coming up where I am. Frank only exists on uh, during Breakfast Club time. At other times, he's just a wish and Andy spirit. That's Damn. true. <clears throat> but yeah, I love it when on both sides of the table that you're allowed leniency to be creative. Yeah. So yes is for everybody. I think that's the key word, leniency. Because sometimes players take the, the DM giving yeses for granted. Um, not all the time. And, and let, let's count on the number of hands, how many times we get thanked for a session as well. That's another thing. Because um, players just show up and they're like, oh, everything's done for us. This is fantastic. Thank you, DM. And then you got to thank the players for playing as well. That's another thing. Um, excellent role play should be rewarded, in my opinion. Or excellent story-driven stuff. Well, and, and sometimes those of us who've been GMing for a long time will probably admit to this. We will try a story idea that falls flat. It just is so well. Sorry, you were saying Pex? No, I was agreeing with you entirely. I, I've done that myself, and it's like, <sighs> sorry, guys, I failed. And then uh, people tell me don't apologize. I'm like, no, I failed. I apologize. Yeah. It happens. It's going to happen. And a yeah. good table will be like, okay, well, what can we salvage from this? What can we move forward? You know, it, it, it's going to happen. Just like there are going to be days where players are squirrelier than usual. Um, again, we go back to that. Am I the right GM? Are they the right players? Or is it just that the moon is in its whatever circle Jeez. and everybody's a squirrel? Or I try something new, it's not jiving with the table. Yep, yep. <laughs> you just need to toss it out and start anew. <laughs> That's happened. Yeah, I'm, like, I, that I made didn't that work. mistake before as well. I um I tried to upend the magic system in a in a D and D game once. I thought that'd make it more interesting for the party and the players, and I get them to create their own spells and stuff. But they hated it so much, and I had to. I had to call quits on that. Uh, as, uh, that was an experiment gone wrong. But yeah, we uh, we talked it over and ultimately just still gave up on it. So I have a question relating to that for you guys. And I, I will give an example, but it boils down to what do you do when for whatever reason it doesn't go well, such as the story you're you're in the middle of a campaign and you try something and that section just fell flat and you have to like okay what are we doing with it or having a player who did not suit the table and they have they they're asked to leave the table or they choose to leave the table what do you guys do with your stories do you write the player out what do you guys do do you write the story out it never happened 
It did. As a yeah, player, I mean, I'm not the GM. It's not my problem. <laughs> Actually, this <laughs> is where I would say you're wrong because how I handle it, it is your problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not a big fan of retconning. Um, so I normally try and, and just move the story ahead. But if a player, so a player character disappears, then we'll generally find an in-character reason for them disappearing as well. Right. I actually had one player leave on, on mutual terms. Um, and what we ended up doing around the table was um, essentially the, the, the player... I played it as the, char the character ended up having a pretty significant argument with the other characters uh, because thankfully they happened to be at a point in the story where um, they had to make a key decision for a specific using a specific item or not um, and that would determine the rest of the path for the story um, and they had an argument and the character took said item and just disappeared and um, I played it in that he showed up later because the the, the the rest of the party needed that item. So um, they essentially ended up hunting that, that character down and killing him to take the item back. And that's kind of how I wrote that character out. And it, it wasn't, it was a brief, maybe two session thing, but um, it worked out. I've gone to Andy's point there of uh, retconning, I guess, more or less to not retconning and just adjusting. Um, right, right. I I started with retconning if, if it was a big thing that was just totally sabotaging intentionally or not, whatever we were trying to work toward as a group, uh, DM and players. Um, but I found the players didn't like that as a whole. Um, at many tables, they don't like that as a whole. So it's more, I am more in line of adjust and move forward than I am retconning as it never happened. It will rewind time or whatever. I would retcon if the rest of the table agreed to it. So I would have a conversation with all the, the players to see if that would make sense for the characters in the story. Or we That's would come what up I do. It. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a discussion with the table. How do we want to handle this? Right. Because sometimes they just want to continue and move on, and sometimes they really hated that character so bad they just want him written out. <laughs> yeah. Which has happened. We had one, and... I will say that I, I feel like I messed up in the fact that I didn't even notice that he, that that person joining the table had messed up the table so bad, like that the table was just, you know. But after they left, they really just wanted it completely written out. But good right. thing. I mean, there are those situations where it's just total foobar. You, you, there's no salvaging this. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think um, – Sizzle's right in the fact that I love the idea of, again, talking to the players and doing it as a group discussion. We, not the GM, but we, the table, make the decision together. Yeah, especially as the GM and players knowing how much of an impact that it, it could have. Retconning or you know, trying to figure out a way to work it into the story to progress. I guess it just depends on the impact goes back to that communication thing we've been talking about most of the day. What's here. that? I know, that's crazy. That's great. <laughs> it's the DM's job just murder all the player characters, right? Right. I, I keep what, messing are you that saying up. it isn't? Not, no, it's not. It's not. It's about having the players suffer through the story. <laughs> at yes, my, that does make more at sense. my hand. 
And one last thing before we go into promoting our stuff and then Q&A time is I, I think it's it's a skill learned over time. Sometimes you don't address it right away because somebody's mad. We've you, got to realize as DMs and players that somebody's really mad. They need to calm down so we can have a rational discussion about whatever it may be. Because uh, if you deal with it when people are at their highest temper, you're not going to have that rational discussion usually. You can calm them down eventually sometimes, but I found it best just to let's take a day, let's think about it, and let's reconvene and talk about it when we're in a much calmer state of mind. And I've ended sessions early because of that. Like, you know, let's let's take some time, think about this, and come back to it. Never make decisions when you're angry. Exactly. That's a perfectly valid thing to do. And again, it goes back to the, what you said, communication. Sometimes the best thing to do is say, okay, guys, we are not in the right frame of mind for this anymore. Let's table it. Either go home or do something else, and we'll bring it up next game. <clears throat> yep. I All right. Now let's go in to promote our stuff, because we all got stuff. Who would like to go first? Puddles. Oi, am I promoting Strange Gods or the Blight you're, one as well? You're, you're way better than anybody else in Strange Gods to, to promote and market us. So oh no, that's not saying you. much. About you're the face now? Yep, she's the face. I, I, they've and called HR. me a mascot multiple times. She's the face and HR, so have yes, at it. I'll I, let I you can do your job. myself. All right, um, we're the Strange Gods podcast. Says was a part of it too. He is part of the upcoming uh, Swords and Wizardry podcast that we are calling Swords and Misery because all the players and the GM are miserable. We hate playing. It's a terrible system, and it comes to your game style. So don't listen. Uh, the best podcast is the Strange Gods podcast where we play through the Jade Region AP, where everything is flowers, nothing ever goes wrong, and everything is as we planned. So. You should also listen to that because it's the example of what every player and GM should look up to ever. Yeah, and it's awesome. So you should listen to us. We have, we have, uh, we have a website, which I will post. Because actually, no, you know what? Sizzle will post it because I can't be bothered. We also have a Discord, which I'm not going to post because Pex already did, and he betrayed me one time, so he can do it again. Um, we have a podcast, yeah, a podcast, a website, Discord, what else was there? Yeah, listen to us, we're cool. The end. Good job. Thanks. You get a raise. I'll give you <laughs> one more doubloon. Ah, dang it. Anyway, so you got links, drop them in. Yes. Betrayal never felt so good. See, there it is. Is I've gotten I've now gotten Pex to post our Discord twice now. This is how you get someone else to do your work. It works. All right, some, somebody else take the attention off me, please. I'm starting to get nervous. No, we're waiting for you to talk more. No, don't make me talk more. <laughs> you have valuable information. We know you do. Um, don't make us get out the lights and the rubber hoses. I like rubber hoses. You can <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't listen to half the stuff that comes out of my mouth before it's there. This is why you're in charge of marketing in HR. <laughs> yes, I have a lot of I have a lot of markets. Some someone else say something I swear to God. <laughs> I, I think we're all just waiting for Pex to call someone up next. 
<laughs> but I had um, a, a character who. Sorry. I was calling you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now it just reminded me of of a line I'm playing in a Star Wars game, which I don't know much about. But my character went like, "Damn it, I'm a medicineist, not a linguist," which I thought was <laughs> an inspired line. I'm going to use it for everything now. It uh, is pretty good. <clears throat> Motocross Machinations is my company. Uh, as I say, we're, I'm working on Hypertellurians, which is largely written um, and is currently available for free on the website with illustrations and everything. Uh, I'll post it in a second because I'm currently holding the keys to speak, so I can't post it at the same time, so I'll post everything after. Um, but before that, um, timing slightly off on that because in probably about a couple of weeks, I'll be releasing my second adventure called Brutal Impairment in the Bag of Infinite Holding, which came from a player's question, what happens when you put a bag of holding inside another bag of holding? And maybe there's another bag of holding in there. And uh, normally they would explode. I know, I know, I know. But this was in this was in our hypertellurian system where, where where such boring things as just you can't do it don't happen. So so the bag of infinite holding came to be. So this is a whole adventure where the queen has lost her her poodle Duchess inside of it, and Duchess has drank from uh, the dead body of a druid who is in there, and has turned into a, a poodle man, and is running a thief's guild now in there, and it's got all sorts of crazy, crazy um, locations within that bags and other stuff. It's fully illustrated by some fantastic people like Alyssa Avery and Luca Reyes, and that's coming out very soon, and I'm very excited about this. Um, yeah, I wish it was ready already today, because that would have been excellent timing, but it needs to go through editing first, so uh, yeah. That's me. And that's where you'll find all my stuff. Cool. One link to rule them all. One link is all you need. Uh, you want to go, Andy? You want me to? You can. Okay. If you'd like to support the tavern, uh, you can go to this Patreon link. 50 subscribers, I think we're doing a virtual con here, which would be cool, which means we need six of you to subscribe. Do it. Uh, if you'd like to support these amazing podcasts that come out on Sundays and Fridays that are just full of the craziness that we all produce here at the Tavern, you can do so at this link here. I'm still waiting for the first subscriber, so you could be that lucky someone. The silence is deafening. <laughs> oh, I can do song and dance if you need a distraction, Andy. Oh, it's I my do. turn. I didn't want to cut yeah. you off. No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I'll put the link up. www.fossilgames.com. Check us out. We have um, minis. We have RPGs. If you're interested in either Earth Dawn or 1879, you can go on our shop and get free PDF quick starts for both of the RPGs. I have a question. What does FASA or FASA stand for? It's actually an old Marx Brothers joke. And I always mess it up. But it's kind of like NASA, but it was a Marx Brothers joke. So it's like the um, Friedelian, Fredonian, sorry, Fredonian Aeronautic Space Administration. There you go. Yeah. So you, you have to be really, really old to get that type of jokes or even know who the Marx Brothers were and that they were comedy and have nothing to do with socialism. 
<laughs> I mean, I am none of those things, which is why I had to ask. I'll take your word it's for okay. it. It's okay. It just I, makes I people realize old, how old I, I am. Fit for either. That's that's my goal <laughs> in life: make people here realize how old they are. Actually, I find better. it so. Fasa originally started like um, Shadowrun. That used to be a Fasa title in the beginning. No, oh, I didn't and know that. You, yes, um, it's gone through several hands, and I believe Catalyst still has it right now. It's a great game. I can't say anything bad. The first game I ever played was first edition Shadowrun. So I still love it. I have all the editions. So, but if you go through all the books, there's a lot of in jokes that you catch, even in the newer stuff. Um, in Earth Dawn, I believe it's in Travar, one of the horror monster things is, let's be honest, it's the freaking Great Pumpkin. Like, <laughs> nice. So, so <clears throat> yes. There's still that occasional bits and pieces of tongue-in-cheek that go on, which starts with the fact that our name is a joke, too. So, Or at least it's meant to be funny. Brilliant. I forgot to mention one quick hint, if I may. Uh, it's just Motocross Machinations is going to be at UK Games Expo, which I think is excellent targeting for all you people who are up in the morning and are very close to Birmingham, I'm sure. Speaking of, we had the convention runner come to us, and he's actually in our Discord now, and there's a channel down in the convention section. Yeah, Josh. So if you're interested in... There you go. You can just click that, and I'll take you right to the channel. Nice. And I'm going to unmute the audience now for live Q&A. Oh no, um, don't do that. Leave them leave them down. We like to keep Make them sure to ask Puddles all the questions. Oh, real quick. Uh, uh, yeah, that... didn't mention this, but uh, so Swords and Misery Swords and Misery is released on the 27th, so this Wednesday, the first episode's out. Yeah, we finally have a due date, so be prepared. And I think Melkor is going to post it here earlier than that. He mentioned what? that. I, I was not he, aware of this. I think he said that earlier. Uh, somewhere. Don't hold me to How that. Dare he not go I'll talk to him. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. I mean, I've only been hassling about it for I don't know since December. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's coming. Okay. It's like a baby. It's a little overdue. Only five percent of babies ever get delivered on time. Now you know this. I'll, I'll believe so, it when I see it. Look it up, dude. It's, tr <laughs> it's true. Babies are scary. I'm not looking anything up about babies. All right, so if you are personally muted, you will have to unmute to ask your questions. If you don't have a mic or you're a little bit nervous, you can type your questions, and one of us will read it and respond to it. I mean, we might read it and respond to it. Maybe if we don't like you, we'll just ignore it. But I do that. We will read it and we'll respond to it. Puddles will ignore you. Are you sure you're in human resources and no public relations? Because that sort of non-committal statement seems I could be in, PR. Actually, you know what? I'll talk to Melkor. I'll, I'll be in PR as well. We have a question from Andy. What so with the rubber hose issue, uh, Puddles? I don't have. I, wait, hang on. Oh, I do have a rubber hose. It's right in the garden. You can ask it to like water things, and it's super handy. Also, if you want to make weird shapes on the grass, and then you just like you you do the you do the like you can make like the lessos where you just twirl it around, and it's just hours and hours of fun. And also, if you're ever in a bind, you can tie someone up and keep them there and uh, force feed them things. Which is always fun if they don't actually want to be force fed. So it just it brings just that little spark of 
I can't believe I'm doing this to you. This is hilarious. To your evening. <laughs> is that not the answer you were expecting? It's, it's a perfectly valid answer, I guess. Yeah, thank you. I, I do try my best. I recently got a little host that actually expands as you fill it with water. So it's, which in fact, it's probably not even rubber, not proper rubber. So now I'm going to, I'm going to stop now. I, I don't think this, this particular host has anything to do with this particular fetish. No, and no, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> it could be a new fetish for some out there. So that's for the Friday night chat, not the Sunday morning chat. <laughs> uh, I apologize. I retracted. <laughs> Like the robot, like your rubber hose. Yeah, it's too early to be drinking. A couple of them are drinking on Friday. <clears throat> so questions, questions. Who's got a question? I have a question. Why does nobody have any questions? Mm, they're slow to think. That is an adequate answer. It's early. Early, late. Mean, inspiring. It's always 5 p.m. in some time of the world. <laughs> what, Silence of the Lamb in the fantasy section? Is that Silence of the Oh, it is Silence yes. of the Lamb. Oh, I'm getting that now. I understand. What, what, there you is go. that dog a real dog? Or is that a pet do puppet dog? I think <laughs> it was a real dog in the movie. Dog, yeah. But the dog is not harmed in the movie. No, the I mean, dog. The dog is fine. very much loved in that movie. Yeah. The people, not so much. Is Silence of the Lambs oh. the one with the children and the corn? No, no. that's the, no. that's the movie oh called God. Children so, of the Corn. Puddles, right, we have right, to have a okay. movie night. You need educating. See, <laughs> see, this is why we need it in the fantastical theater packs. This is fantasy. This is educational. <laughs> I do have plans to add horror and sci-fi in there at some point, but first I got to get through the stupid fantasy section. I'm in the 90s. Well, I've, do I've done the so 1920 to 1989. Hmm? What do you do there? On Thursday evenings, we show two movies here in Discord. You have the fantasy variety. You movies or you watch movies? There is a program we use where everybody can watch together and you have the option to either join voice and do the chuckles or you can watch it in your own comfort at home by yourself. That's awesome. I must join this. On Thursdays. What's playing this Thursday? In the middle of the night. I don't know. I roll for it tomorrow <laughs> to see what we're watching. <laughs> and yes, the movies are randomized by the dice, but I pick what goes on the list, so there you go. It was Hawk the Slayer recently, wasn't it? I saw. Yeah, Hawk the Slayer was the first night, along with some Russian animation fantasy movie. Yeah, so far, Pex is going through the socialist market of fantasy movies. We'll get on to the fascists next, but uh -huh. <laughs> first, we're going, first we're going for the Eastern Bloc, then we'll move out west. So my favorite character so far is Granddad Mushroom. Just saying. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Abe Vigoda is Baba Yaga. That was the clincher right there. <laughs> I want to know about Granddad Mushroom. Everybody yeah, wants yeah. to know about Granddad Mushroom. Mage, you, you give gotta us link that You, you got to link that movie now, man. It's a moral imperative. It is. Wait. Puddles, do you know where that comes from? I do not. I need to be educated. Oh my God. You need so much educating. See? You're banned. 
You're out. Oh my God. Strange hey, God is no longer welcome in the tavern. You just have to <gasps> remedy the ignorance, okay? No, we have to educate. We don't I ban, we educate. And it gets no, it. no, no. Nobody said there was not going to be education. But first, get out of my house. <laughs> hey, if I'm out Come of your house, my house, I, I have it on disc. I'll show it to you. It's fine. Okay, I that's I, that's. I'm sorry. That's going on the other side of creepy. I don't want to go to your house either. I don't want to go to nobody's house. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. How to trap players with an innocent comment. That, that's the yes. problem with rubber hoses. They're attached to your house, right? So going out is really difficult. If I can use your rubber hose from my house, I don't even want to think of the astronomical <laughs> physics implications in that equation. So we'll just say really that it's a different hose. hose. So there's the movie we watched with Granddad Mushroom, and I must say it is Russia's finest work. It looks amazing. That is going on my list. Yeah, I, I need to see this. <laughs> wow. I feel like this is a movie I could go with my whole life without watching. Huh? No, no, you must no. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to like, watch it at least once. Like, you should see it by this weekend. It, it literally is a moral imperative. I mean, this, the weekend's basically over for me, so I don't know how you, you have the rest of that. the day. Get on it. Right, quick. Exactly what she said. I've got the rest of the evening, but I've got I'm proofreading currently. Uh, actually, I'm proofreading Gary Norman's um, old school uh, essentials. The, 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 the not the remake. The I guess the new revised edition. Turns out that uh, yeah, it's just a lot of pages. Whew. That teach me for saying yes to everything. <laughs> yes, but. Yeah, exactly. Hindsight. I'm halfway through. Man, I want mushrooms now. <laughs> Can we nominate people to ask questions? Like, put people on the spot? Because I would enjoy, enjoy that. Yes, Puddles, what's a question you'd like to ask? I would like to ask, can we put people on the spot to ask some questions? To make yes. Them ask questions? yes. I don't know, yes. can we? I don't see why I not. Question. Jake, can you give us a question? Jake the human. Oh, he's typing. He's typing. Yes, see, my system works. You can do it, Watch buddy. how the magic happens. It's, uh, yeah. In your <laughs> no, own time. I absolutely agree with your question, Jake. That is a valid question, and I, I'm on your side. I agree. Question. If there was ever a definition <laughs> of a stupid question that teachers say don't exist, that would be it. There's not even no, 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 no. That's a valid question because now it raises the statement of should there be an F and or an M somewhere in that? Wow, depends yes. on what you're trying to say. If there's an F, there's no PH. It depends. Are we at an Asian convention? <laughs> the answer is no. I mean, well, well, I mean, it depends. Do you consider Western Russia part of Eastern Asia? Eurasia? <laughs> <laughs> what it's called it is <laughs> it could be yeah, a question if there was a question mark at the end of yeah, that that's, that's my pastime i have an actual question has anyone recently discovered a new game system or something that they were very excited about i am excited about nothing so no my whole I, life I, is I, I have one. it's not new new but 
Um, it's called Dark Hunter, a comedy of horrors, I think. I'm not familiar with go. that. Tell us. Oh, give me just a second. I will get the book off a shelf. One sec. I'll be right back. We can edit out silence afterwards. Oh, no, it's live. Yeah. I mean, as long as we keep talking, there is no silence. <clears throat> my throat over and over again. Uh, uh. So it is. Sorry, Demon Hunters, a comedy of terrors. And it was dead, done by Dead Gentleman Productions. Oh, I know. Which, yeah, so you should have heard of them, but they did an entire game, like, and stuff, too. Did they? Nice. Yes. And it's really cute, and it starts out looking kind of like an old-school textbook where it's got, like, names printed and people have scribbled on it. And it's kind of buffy but not it's in that kind of campy horror style a bit like buffy supernatural that type of stuff and, and i keep trying to get people to be interested enough to play with me and so far i haven't found a group of people who can meet at the same time who want to play so if we're running it online i may be able to do it if not fine have fun with your physical friends I am actually learning to do more online. I didn't used to, but in the last year, I've actually ran a couple of things online and played in a few. So I'm, I'm getting better with that. But again, remember, I'm old, so it takes me a lot longer to, to do that new stuff with technology and shit. The technology. <laughs> but Jake yeah, it's an actual question. Sorry, oh, go cool. on. No, I was going to say, it's a really interesting game, and it's really neatly put together. So, there. Yeah. I will check that out. I like how there's uh, demon-possessed <laughs> lawn gnomes attacking mm -hmm. people on that That's cover. all you need, really. I mean, <laughs> who, hasn't, who isn't absolutely fucking terrified of those things? I really just want to grab all the, all the lawn gnomes I can from, like, pawn shops and, and paint them and mod Black. them so they look like demons and put them on my lawn. I kind of want to mod them so that they're like camouflaged and then put them in your in your garden or someone else's garden and then wait while they slowly realize they've been infested by lawn gnomes. <laughs> All right, Jake's question. Uh, since we were talking about technology earlier, what do you think is the appropriate amount of sword and planet before a game just turns into ridiculous nonsense? What is sword and planet? Yeah, what is that? That's sort of the, 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 the tone that I was going for with, with Hyperdelirians. It's, it's the part of the old school pulpy uh, sci-fi stuff where you had people in, in, in space rockets, rockets, not ships, uh, f flying about. But when they landed on a the planet, the, everyone there was in loincloths and fights with uh, spears. And so even though you have that weird oh. mix of, of science, science fiction, you essentially still have... The, because budget-related constraints and whatnots and other reasons. Yeah, Ray Punk, it's also sometimes referred to nowadays. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. So uh, Ridiculous Nonsense, I think that's where I like my Sword and Planet uh, games to start, and then they evolve from there, is my, is my answer. <laughs> Frank's answer is better than mine. You have to remember, I actually really like Feng Shui, 
which is another game that maybe some of you know, but maybe you don't. Mm -hmm. So I like nonsense in camp. Yeah, I suppose there is there is a theoretical utter nonsense uh, state, but I haven't reached it yet. But uh, my players and I are definitely working on it. I'm sure. Yeah, you'll I find it eventually. I haven't experienced um, the point of ridiculousness yet in any of my games as either a player or dungeon master. So puddles, help me out. What do I do? I don't know. Find a ray gun. Uh, how? Where? Are they just lying around? You have to find someone to make the ray guns first, right? So mm -hmm. take Unless it's two like Aslan, ones. Where they are just lying around. Two, two to three ones, stick them together, and, you know, build like a handle into it and stuff. And that's a but good thing. Then start. it's just a triple wand. Yeah. It's not a ray gun. Make one of them for sure, like a wand of, um, no, that's rod of wonders things, or whatever it's called. Rod of wonder, yeah. If you have a ray gun and it's like completely anachronistic to the times, what it has to do is just fall from the sky right into your outstretched hands, preferably just after you've said, can I have a ray gun, please? And then that, that would be the start of an awesome campaign. <laughs> uh. Yeah, non-functional nonsense is a whole other thing. It still has to be functional nonsense. Functuational nonsense? Yes. That too. <clears throat> Is it time to nominate someone else for a question? I got five minutes left, technically. All right, three orcs, I nominate you. <laughs> I choose you. Go. Use question. Nope, oh, he's typing. Oh, See, I think it works. Just. <laughs> pooped and didn't clean, didn't flush after themselves. Oof. Three orcs walk into a bar, what do they order? That's a good question. I actually, I am interested, interested in that question. Do, are they eating like normal food or do the orcs have like their own food? And is it a human bar or is it an elvish bar or is it a mixed bar or is it an orc bar? Because those are the only four options. So I actually know the answer to that. Question. Raw halfling legs. Stop answering. Oh. This is for us to answer. I, I, I had it wrong. I was thinking he was going to order me a vodka. So I, I was off. We were all off. <laughs> wouldn't, uh, wouldn't they just uh, eat, grab a halfling whole and then eat the legs also? That's a good point. Would they eat They like order? them cooked. Don't, really? don't be barbaric. Do yes. Yeah, but, I mean, they're, like, we're not barbarians. But would they order? Oh, they're not ah, funny. Would they <laughs> would they order the halfling legs, or would they come in, grab a halfling, and say, "All right, your dinner. Come on." And then, is there okay? Is there ever a character that is so in need of money he would um, exchange his legs for orcs to eat and have things in return? Like, uh, I mean, I need money to get this big thing for the next operation. Um, the only one, the only thing I have left to sell is my legs because I've got yes. this fancy chair I can wheel myself. High level and... cleric. No, no, high not to cleric. go back the legs. <laughs> just high level cleric, water. take a leg, and I'll just fix it later. Like, yeah, that's totally doable. <laughs> you can walk with the peg leg for a few levels; it'll be fine. I uh, said high level. You don't do that until you're a high enough level that you can automatically fix it. You, you can do just if you're an ass. Just sell off your legs. 
So I've never back, grown back my legs, legs. Just an endless source of money. And legs. I, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I just imagine like there's a bunch of uh, like an orc tribe somewhere out there with uh, a bunch of halflings where they there's like a high level cler- orc cleric where they just chop their legs off and. <laughs> you can actually do that to other again. characters, yeah. <laughs> Be like, here, you can have that dude's leg. Oh, I fixed it. Quit bitching. Yay. See what happens when we don't have topics. We just go right into dismemberment. I appreciate this. <laughs> I like this. Hey, Puddles, there's your next character. Someone who just auctions off his legs? No, other no, characters. Other. other characters. And I then, just had and this then like, like, character's legs. Auctioning yeah, off legs, legs is not a long-term strategy, I feel. Mm. Auctioning off them? Uh, <laughs> I just had this image of Puddle playing a character with all wooden extremities, and her quest is to, like, the Scarecrow <laughs> from Wizard of Oz. Assemble her actual body parts I, again. I, I was going to say, Frank is being short-sighted. Puddles is like a big media social guru. She could totally work up a campaign for selling more other people's legs. What? <laughs> yeah, but, but are, are we talking counterfeit legs now? Because if, if it's supposed to be no, legs, she's a high then... level cleric. She just puts them back when they're cut off. It's fine. Uh, Stop being so morbid. I'm I'm like a blood bank, but a leg bank. You know, dwarf leg, <laughs> like, connect, like, connect leg giving, leg giving services, and I mean, uh, I mean, the, services too. The marketing <laughs> writes itself, right? You need a leg up. Right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, don't make me put my foot down here. <laughs> She's the Oprah of legs. Yes. You, you get a leg and you get a leg. <laughs> organs. Although organs are a more touchy subject. Yeah. Because you have to touch people on the inside to get those. I was going to say less touchy because they're hard to get to. Well, I mean, you I'd really got to get into the guts of the matter and really dig yeah. it out. Uh... I, that. <laughs> yeah. I love puns. They're like the best thing. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this one, guys. Thank you all for coming. I know a bunch of us here were substitutes, but hey, this was fun. <laughs> it was. I had yeah, a good time. Thank you all. Thanks for hosting, Pex. Yep. Yep. That. Thank, thank you, Thank you for hosting and thank you for having me. Yeah. It was good meeting uh, you, Andy, and Frank for the first time. It was good meeting you too, Sizzle, for the first time. Likewise. I've oh. never played with you before. It was Go lovely back. meeting all of you. Go back yes. to your hole, Puddles. Fuck off! Don't have to do with my hole. Oh yeah, we start with fuck, we end with Wow. Fuck. Good. <laughs> the, the <circle laughs> Cut the recording! Cut the recording! I did not listen to that before it came out. <laughs> Story of Puddles' life. Uh, I need I need to leave before I say anything else that will encourage It's me. lovely I'm meeting you, Puddles and Sizzle and Frank. Thank you. It's lovely meeting you too, guys. Likewise. Yes. Awesome. All right. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Bye. Adieu. Uh